It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Wolverine.com podcast. I'm John Borton, and we're here talking Michigan football with someone who is intimately involved in it. You may uh, you may know him play-by-play-wise from Michigan basketball, that being Brian Bush, but uh, he is also part of an, uh, a Michigan football radio team that just got a couple of new faces uh, added to it. The, the team is uh, changing and expanding. Brian Bush, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, John, always good to be here. Appreciate you having me. Before I jump into our, our first official topic, uh, that was something that came about uh, that they announced just yesterday. An old friend uh, is going to be the uh, sideline reporter for Michigan football, and uh, that would be Jason Avant, a former Michigan Wolverine. And uh, we've got another former Wolverine that uh, is joining your crew. Why don't you talk about that a little bit uh, and and how things are shaping up? Yeah, I mean, with Jason and Jack, uh, I mean, two great Michigan men, two individuals who who wanted to be a part of this. Um, you know, you, you think about the fact that both guys are, are very involved on a, on a business front. They're very busy from, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five, yet they wanted to make the investment uh, in Jason's case, make the travel. He's based out of Philadelphia. Um, you know, t- to have those two guys was awesome to, to kind of take you a little bit behind the curtains. You know, our goal was to add one person. Um, and we just felt so strongly about really several individuals, but in particular, those two. Uh, so we were able to make that uh, work with having both come in Jason on the sidelines, Jack, with me in the pregame and the postgame. So uh, I'm thrilled about it. Anytime you can add more individuals who, who really bolster that broadcast, um, you know, with the experience they have, with the broadcast ability that they have, both have been involved beforehand. So uh, I'm thrilled. Can't wait to get it going. And, uh, yeah, September 3rd will be, uh, be a big day in the broadcast booth as it will be on, on the field of the big house. Absolutely. And Jack, of course, being Jack Miller, former Michigan offensive lineman who uh, is is coming back. And uh, Mr. Brian Bush will still be, as I understand it, hosting the pregame and postgame shows for uh, for football. 
and uh, you also know his great work on basketball. So first topic is a little bit of a combination of both because we saw one Juwan Howard showing up at uh, Michigan football practice and uh, speaking to the team. I believe he had the wise words segment for uh, for Michigan football. Talk about a little bit about the um, that relationship between football and basketball, because I remember when Juwan Howard was a player at Michigan and how excited the football guys were to go watch the Fab Five play and how excited the Fab Five were to be able to hang out at the uh, at the big house and and watch. Well, when uh, when Juwan Howard was there, they had uh, two in a row Big Ten championship teams. Just talk about how that can and does work together. Well, I mean, if you think about it, the the crown jewel carryover between a football recruit and a football commit is being able to attend a a basketball game because you're going to attend a football game, but you're going to attend it in a way that you'll never experience if you actually play on the team. And the same is true from a basketball standpoint. The, The thing that will carry over, the experience that will most commonly be a copy paste when you are going on an official visit from a basketball standpoint is going to a football game. Cause you can do that when you actually get here, you can't go to a basketball game as you would as a junior or senior in high school. So uh, you hear that. I mean, Hunter Dickinson listed that as one of the reasons why he came back as a sophomore. And then as a junior was to be able to go to football game. I mean, Hunter's hanging out with Spike Lee at the spring game. So you know, there's such a unique aspect to all of that. And and, and there is that camaraderie, that build. And, and I'm taken back to uh, the, the the conversation that I had with Coach Howard uh, the Monday after the, the Michigan-Ohio State game this past season. And, of course, we all saw the picture and the video of, you know, Coach Howard and Coach Harbaugh's embrace. And, you know, so we talked about it. And, and Coach Howard was very much like – I, I didn't necessarily try to go out and do it. It was just an instinctual. Like I, I had to go see coach Harbaugh because they have that relationship. They have that dynamic uh, and, and they want to share in each other's success, which is really cool. So, uh, you know, those are my key takeaways other than, you know, I, I think coach Howard could, you know, he could, he could go out there and, and, you know, put on the winged helmet and probably give him a snap or two if they really needed to it at several different positions. He's still got the, you know, the potential football build though. I, I think, uh, it's probably best that he avoid that. Yeah, I mean, if you had to throw a fade pattern in the corner of the end zone, he he, he would be uh, uh, already up there above the defensive back. So I like uh, I like his chance on a fifty fifty ball. He's got there he, you go. he might take a little more time to get into position than he did back when he played, but if he gets that position, I think he's got a shot. There you go. Let's talk about uh, your first impressions on football at this point because we've been through the uh, the meetings in Indianapolis. We've been uh, hearing from the first week of practice from guys, and I, obviously you are so clued into this. Your first impressions of the team that has to follow the breakthrough team, which uh, obviously you beat Ohio State and you uh, and you win the Big Ten Championship. You go to the college football playoff for the first time ever. Guys like Cade McNamara are saying, hey, we're wearing a target now. We have to do more than we did. But from what you've seen, what are your first impressions of uh, of this group? Let's start from an outside's perspective. Um, Michigan is still chasing Ohio State. The win last year was great. It was necessary. It really rekindled the rivalry. But 
everybody is picking Ohio State to win in late November. Pretty much everybody's picking Ohio State to win the Big Ten again. And I understand it. I mean, their their offense is loaded. They, they always have athletes on defense. I get it, of course. But it is difficult, especially when you consider that in college football these days, there's there's normally dynasties in these conferences. What Ohio State did before last year. What Clemson did before last year. Alabama seems to always be at least somewhere close to the SEC championship. So there are those dynasties in conferences that it's going to take more than just a one-off to get that national conversation tilted. Um, So that's the big takeaway. That's not a huge surprise, but I think when you look at the internal perspective, this team can talk about how great last year was and at the same time be able to say, well, people still don't think we can do it. People still don't think we're better than Ohio State. And I think that they're they're feeding into that and there's that motivation factor. Um, the other thing I think just from an internal overall standpoint, mindset standpoint, is that they're, they're not shying away. I mean, Coach Harbaugh said the four goals, beat Michigan State, beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten, win the national championship. Obviously, that would be that'd – be, that'd be awesome. Um, they're not hiding from that. And, and to me, it was – the perception of that, if he would have said something similar last year and he kind of did, you know, Hey, or die trying, we all remember that quote, right. Or die trying. Um, I mean, he was laughed at last year, uh, this year it's well, Georgia and Alabama and Ohio state. Yeah, sure. Okay, great. But if you go from laughing to, well, there's five teams that are pretty good too. That's one heck of a step forward. Um, in terms of other individuals, you know, I've loved how Cade McNamara, has handled all of this in the media setting. Um, uh, You win a a conference championship, go to the playoff, and and you are in a scrap for your job. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he's handled it the right way. I think he's got the ability. um, You know, he could be a captain on this team, uh, and he also might be fighting for his job. So I'm I'm really fascinated by that, but I think he's done everything right to this point. Same for J.J. in terms of getting back from, from the injury and getting back to full strength. Um, you know, he hasn't made any sort of headlines he's put in the work. So, you know, that quarterback room is healthy, even though it's going to be a huge conversation. Uh, and I just, you know, uh, other individual player, I mean, how can you not be excited about Ronnie Bell getting back what he can bring? We all remember the roller coaster of emotions with him in that first game, all of the positives and then the abrupt ending. Uh, I, speaking of captain, like, I think he's got a real chance based on what he did last year. Um, you know, and, and how he came back from it. I, I think he might be the most vocal leader and, and probably the person who, you know, if, if, if they're talking, you probably got, you know, the best attention span among all players. And, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, no doubt about it. We've seen some recent clips and photos of him getting up against uh, defensive backs and uh, not wearing a brace and uh, some really positive signs on that end. Obviously, there are position group battles taking place all over the field in uh, in spring ball or in uh, in fall camp. And what I'd like to know from you is give me a a position battle on offense and a position battle on defense that particularly has your attention at this point, because um, obviously they're going to determine in the next really couple of weeks who is going to uh, go into the season taking these uh, jobs and taking the front lines. 
as far as uh, both sides of the ball. So uh, what what are you looking at there? Well, I'll I'll take out the quarterback because that's going to be headline one, two, and three on, sure. on pretty much any conversation. We talked about it earlier. There's you know we're not going to know a whole lot. Uh, this is a program that keeps a lot of that under wraps. You know, remember last year I was I was kind of shocked that that Coach Harbaugh just said, "Yeah, I came back to Mirrors or starter pretty early." I mean, that was that was the exception, not the rule, uh, in a Coach Harbaugh led program. So take that out. We'll have plenty of time to dissect that probably on our pregame show leading up to kickoff week one, because we may still not know Uh, on offense. I'm just fast. It's not so much a position battle. It's just how do you narrow down your receiver core? Hmm. Um, How do you when you have two running backs who can be receiving options, you have a really deep and veteran tight end group and you've got a handful of somewhere between proven and at least shown flashes of being able to produce uh, type of, of talent and receivers. I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I think it's safe to assume Ronnie Bell is going to be a key factor. Beyond that, I mean, you've got guys moving to defense in the receiver room. You've got freshmen who put up almost 200 yards against Michigan State, and that was basically their, their statistical output. Um, you know, you've got the, the, some of the steady guys. I mean, it is wide open on that front. Uh, defensively, I think you have to look at the defensive line. Uh, Coach Harbaugh on our podcast in the trenches said that, you know, he has, he thinks that, that they can have similar pass rush um, from last year. That's, that's tough. We'll see if that happens. He's, he's obviously optimistic. Uh, we all saw Mozzie Smith on that, uh, you know, on that, that freaks list from Bruce Feldman as, as Michigan's kind of running a dynasty in, in that uh, type of thing. But how do you do that? I think it's a fair point what Coach Harbaugh said. That, yeah, no one was talking about David Ojabo last year. Of course, you're right. But but Aiden Hutchinson was so vital to what Michigan did. Um, I think it is smart that 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 coaches have talked about, hey, we want to get more pressure from the defensive lineman, from the interior. Can Amazi be that type of a guy? We shall see. But that was that was to me, there were so many things that went into Michigan winning the Big Ten, beating Ohio State last year. But the, the, the football life hack was getting pressure with four. It opened up so much. It flabbergasted opponents. It is the thing in football. It's the great equalizer. If you can get pressure with four, you can do a lot defensively, and that opens up stuff for the entirety of your team. Uh, can they do that? It, it's going to be difficult. You're replacing, in essence, two first-round picks. I know Ajabo didn't go there, but it wasn't because uh, he wasn't able. It was the injury. Uh, so I'm I'm really fascinated about that. Uh, because it, it feels like it's a blank canvas in a lot of ways. There are, there are plenty of, of different options. There's some talent there. Uh, but really outside of Mozzie Smith, it's, it's some individuals that you have to do some projection on, to be sure. Right. And because you're doing that projection, particularly on the defensive side, I don't have a problem with the fact that uh, the non-conference schedule is does not consist of uh, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, and Texas. I, some some do and say, oh, you know, you don't have any of the big names. You're not going to be really tested before you go into the Big Ten. Uh, I, I've got a problem with this. I don't. Um, this has been kind of a, a long-running schedule argument that I've had with another member of your broadcast team, my uh, good friend, my longtime friend, Douglas Karsh. Uh, you tell me, 
what uh, what's your impression of the non-conference schedule and how it will potentially impact not only the the easing guys into positions, but also, you know, whether it's too easy. So uh, this one is unique because not only are there three, you know, non-Power 5 teams, but Michigan's catching all three of them at, at a pretty rough juncture in right. their in their program. I mean, Colorado State, to me, the Pac-12 should look at Colorado State. Now, that has nothing to do with what their football is right now, but in terms of, of group of five programs that have the ability to to become something greater, to take that TCU, TCU Utah, Utah, Utah type of uh, jump, uh, that is, uh, uh, to me, on the short list. But they're between coaches. Uh, they really are – I mean, they, they, they're not very good this upcoming, this upcoming season. season. If you, have, if you Colorado have Colorado State, if you have Colorado State on the schedule in three years, it might look a little bit better. Um, I've always been a big proponent. I don't think a team like Michigan should schedule a huge matchup week one. I think that's a lot to handle. You just you, you schedule it ten years in advance. You don't know where your team's going to be. I, I, to me, I think if, if I were making a, a football schedule, I'd always focus on can I have week one at home against a group of five opponent because that gives me a chance to acclimate. From there, I'm all for the big challenges. I think you, I think you should have won more times than not. But you know, this year, offensively, I think this team would be ready to go up against anybody you threw at it early on. Defensively, I'm with you. I there's there's an acclimation process that needs to be had. But here's the thing. You know, if you look at last year, what was the game where it felt like Michigan needed the, the growth the most early on? It wasn't any of the non-conference games. It was the first regular season Big Ten game against Rutgers. So they played the three non-conference. And then you watch that Rutgers game and you thought, oh, boy, uh, that was a nice win over Washington, but we got to go to Wisconsin next week. This could be a tough challenge. So you never know when your team's going to have that type of growing pain situation. Uh, I just always like to avoid the week one scenario. Um, I'd, I'd put, I'd put a big game week two or week three every season and then, and then ease my way into conference play, something like that. But this year defensively, I think this team will benefit from it offensively. I mean, they have a chance to put up 50 points each of the first three games because of how good they are and, and who they're going up against. And part of that, uh, very potent offense that we expect out of this Michigan team is, uh, one Donovan Edwards, the sophomore running back. I would think that part of your job, Brian, would be to uh, to manage um, any potential out of control uh, statements by uh, by those that uh, you are surrounded by. Even even if uh, one is a a ten year or twelve year veteran of the NFL and is is, is about as big as both of us combined. That would be one John Jansen, who uh, projected that uh, Donovan Edwards could be the best running back in the nation. Your reaction to that and uh, and what you thought when you heard him say it? Yeah, I, I, I saw that got a little bit of play of my reaction to it because it was genuine and it wasn't it wasn't a knock on Donovan. I mean, he he can be great, but it was uh, you know sometimes you might be a year early to a projection. Uh, quite frankly, he, he might end up being the, the most talented running back in the country at some point in his career. But I think what Michigan is building, and it's interesting 
because the, the running backs coach is a guy who was the, the bell cow. Mike Hart carried the rock over and over. I don't think that's what he or what anybody on the staff wants. They want to have several options. And I think that's where football's going. That's where, especially in college, where, you know, you, you, I think George has done a really good job of this, where you can tell running backs, listen, you can come in, you can flash your skills, but we're not going to overwork you so that when you go to the NFL, you've got a lot still on the tires. I think Michigan's building something like that, like they did last year with Haskins. Now you have Corm and Edwards as the one, two, and then some intriguing guys to try to be the short yardage back, change of pace guy. Um, if you do want to get creative with, with, you know, Donovan Edwards as a pass catcher at that point, you can do that. Um, listen, he's got the potential. And I think what makes him so unique and will be so fun is, is his pass catching ability. Um, that's something that a Hassan Haskins doesn't have. Quorum certainly does, but I, I think Edwards is as good as at, at that as any running back in the big 10. Um, I, I just, the thing that I, th- that when John said that, I just don't think he's going to have the opportunities to do that. When you look at like a Bijan Robinson at Texas, like that dude's going to play all the time. Um, and, and to me, that's the better thing for him in the future. Uh, if Coram or Edwards go down because football happens, then yeah, you could see one of the, whoever's still, still playing go off. Uh, but it was certainly an aggressive take. Um, but talent wise, it's not, like this completely outlandish thing, right? He's he's not saying Andrew Anthony is going to be the best receiver in college football. Now, again, Andrew Anthony is super talented, but that's that's where we're going, you know, a, a little bit too far probably. Um, soon he'll say Teddy Jansen will be the best offensive lineman in college football in 2030, whatever it'll be. Though that, that'll probably come out here in a couple of years. If podcasts still float in 2025, it's going to happen. But no, I, 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 I think, listen, he – Talent-wise, you know, I'll, I'll take Michigan's duo over probably anybody in college football. But I don't think Mike Hart and company, they, they want to design it to where you're giving somebody uh, 30 carries a game because those two are just too good. And that's that's a great problem to have. Yeah. Well, and uh, Mike Hart will might, might even use that quote saying, uh, Blake Corum, are you going to be the best uh, running back in the country? Or is it going to be that other guy? So I mean, isn't uh, that crazy? Like think about it. You, you could literally have, you know, I, I think in that conversation, I think I said, you know, I, two of the top five, two of the top 10 talent wise in the country. Yeah. I, I think Michigan has that. Yeah. Um, but production wise, it's just, you know, you, you see how, you see how finite um, like Heisman trophy candidacy is for anyone, but a quarterback. I mean, Blake Corum was kind of on the periphery for a little while and then right. he gets, he gets injured and it's, I mean, he's not even a conversation point. You, it's just, it's too fine of a line. And based on the roles here, it's, it's just not feasible. I'll take the, I'll take the opinion of it and then, you know, combine the two and, and they would be the best running back in the country. And I think you make a great point about usage because uh, neither of these guys is going to, uh, I'll make the bold prediction. Neither of these guys is going to be Chris Perry too, no. in the sense that they get 50 carries against Michigan state. So, uh, yeah, no, and that's, and you know what, and that to me is the the youth movement, the, the kind of the Michigan movement in a lot of ways on the Michigan staff. Um, Again, Mike Hart, the the, the style of football that he played is different, but he evolves. That's why he, I think is going to be a a really good head coach one day, because it'd be easy to say, oh, well, this was the formula that worked 
let's keep it here. I mean, that's not utilizing these guys' talents in, in a way that that's beneficial. And that's why going back to my wide receiver comment, I mean, I, I want Corum and Edwards on the field at the same time at times. So sure. there's only, you know, you got you need to have a quarterback and five offensive linemen. You got five skill position spots, and you got that tight end group, that receiver group, those two running backs. Uh, it, Michigan will not have to lean upon a single uh, skill position player maybe all season because of the depth and the ability that they have. And that in a 12 game season that Michigan hopes to turn into 13, 14 and 15, that's a heck of a luxury. Great point. As we are well into the fourth quarter of this podcast, let's, uh, let's wind down the clock with this one. You've, uh, you've talked about first impressions, but overall going into the 2022 season, what is uh, Brian Bush's gut feeling on how this team, and again, this is a snapshot in time. This is before the, the ball has ever been kicked off, but your gut feeling on how they, this group might follow up what all that was done last year. Well, I, I think, again, offensively, um, the, the 2022 group will have – the responsibility of the 2021 defense. Um, I think they're up to it. I think they have that potential. Um, what's different about the 22 offense versus the 21 defense is that going into the season, uh, I, I felt like the stars, the established guys like the Hutchinsons and the Dax Hills, they had to be amazing and bring everybody along, but the everybody kind of got there quicker than people expected. I think this offense this year, we, we know, uh, yeah, there's a couple of holes to, to fill on the offensive line. Yeah, there were a few losses here and there, but, but basically that offense is ready to rev up. I mean, I, you know, if you had to rank the top 10 offensive players on this team, you'd be, you'd be really upset of having to leave a few guys out. That's how good this is. I don't think we were thinking that about this Michigan defense in August of 2021. Uh, Listen, I, I think I think this team is going to be ten and one going to Columbus. Uh, I don't know what the loss will be. It's just really hard to go eleven and zero. I know the non-conference doesn't pose much of a challenge, but I think it's going to be another scenario where this team is going to that Ohio State game, playing for a, a Big Ten East championship, playing for a spot in Indy, and you know if they're ten and one going on eleven and one, they'd be probably playing for a spot in the playoff. Uh, what they do with that, who knows. Um, that's what would really, you know, reignite this rivalry. Um, but to me, I think where this team will have to to really show uh, is, listen, the defensive line is, is probably not going to be what it was last year. I think the back seven has a chance to be comparable, if not better, especially those linebackers. This is a really good linebacker group. Uh, Michigan's had some great ones in the past. Who can emerge on that side um, and in that unit? Because I think offensively, listen, they do what they, they do. They're going to be in good shape. Um, can that linebacker group, can the DBs slow down Ohio State? They're not – listen, C.J. Stroud was running for his life last year. That probably won't be as common this season. Can they hold up against Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison, and, and the rest of those great wide receivers in Columbus? Because if they can, they, they've got a real chance to do it. So uh, I'm excited. I'm fired up. Um, and, and this is, uh, it'll be a little different than how it went last year in terms of what type of team Michigan is. Uh, but you know, I, I like having, I like having one side of the ball that's really established, 
Um, and then that can help bring the other along. And, and uh, also, I mean, we don't talk about it a lot, but you know, this team's in some close games late, the special teams. That's, that's speaking of football life hacks. That's one for this team. Uh, there's some great special teams talent on this roster. Uh, and when you're going to Iowa, when you're going to Columbus, you, you need that to be solid. You can't beat yourself. That's what Michigan did so well last year in those big games, and, and it has to continue this year. He is excited. He is fired up. And he is Brian Bush, who you will hear on Michigan football and basketball broadcast throughout the year. Uh, Brian, always appreciative of your time. And we will look forward to uh, the impending season because, boy, it's coming fast now. No doubt. Thanks, John. Appreciate you having me. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.